From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Wednesday, July 6th. I'm Sarah Wright. As the cannabis market plummets, the state lifted its cultivation tax of $161 per pound of product, effective as of July 1st. Cannabis advocates say that's an important step, but far from being enough to make the market sustainable. And with Mendocino County's final election results in, the Assessor Clerk Recorder's Office is already looking forward to November's general election. Lauren Schmidt of our sister station KMUD interviewed Ross Gordon, Policy Director of the Humboldt County Growers Alliance and Policy Chair of Origins Council, an advocacy organization that partners with six regional cannabis trade associations in Northern California, including Mendocino, advocating for changes to state policy. He says cannabis is still heavily overtaxed. Um, And so Proposition 64 established a a pretty onerous state tax framework, which included a tax on cultivation, um, which uh, most recently was $161 a pound of of every pound of cannabis sold off a farm, and also established a 15% excise tax um, levied at the retail level on the consumer. And then at the local level here in Humboldt County, Measure S was passed, which created a tax rate of between $1 to $3 a square foot on cultivation. And that's a tax that applied regardless of whether and how any of that product was sold. It was just a tax on on the permitted square footage of a cultivation. Earlier this year, in January and February, we mounted a campaign to have some pretty significant reductions in our local Measure S tax in Humboldt County, given just the general unsustainability of the tax rate, but also in particular, really the complete collapse in wholesale prices for cannabis, particularly for small farmers going from maybe $1,000 a pound to $300 a pound on average created a situation where these taxes, which were always really onerous, have really become, you know, absolutely unsustainable. Gordon said that although the state cultivation tax no longer exists, there is a nuance for growers who sent their product off to a distributor before July 1st. This really applies in cases where, for example, you know, you're a farmer, you've transferred your product to, let's say, a distributor. That distributor is holding on to the product they have not had the product tested yet, but you know there's an invoice between you and the distributor that shows that that you paid $161 a pound in cultivation tax to the distributor. So, so what happens in that case? If the product was not final COA tested before July 1st, the guidance from CDTFA says that the distributor owes you that cultivation tax back. Um, and so that should be returned to the cultivator. And um, CDTFA is, which apologies, is the the basically the tax regulator at the state level. The tax regulator is saying that that cultivation tax needs to be returned and documented. Um, They also have said that if the cultivation tax cannot be returned to the cultivator, um, that it's still due to the state. And so uh, basically they're signaling that the distributor should not be holding on to that cultivation tax. Gordon added that short of overturning Prop 64, which he says would cost tens of millions of dollars, there are still some focus points that are essential if small farmers are going to hang on. There's many. There's probably a hundred. But, but I, I think there's probably two to really focus on. One is really a market access and uh, direct-to-consumer sales issue. And so Origins Council has been working closely um, with Assemblymember Wood, our Assemblymember here on the North Coast, um, to introduce AB 2691 in the state legislature which is legislation that would allow small farmers specifically um, to be able to sell um, their own products at a limited number of cannabis events per year uh, directly to consumers. That's a policy that we feel is really critical, um, trying to work through this sort of convoluted system, distributors and a segmented supply chain and retailers. You know, it, it can work for people, but it's really making it very difficult for people to be able to get their products to market. So that's a bill that we feel is very important, but also more broadly, is a policy area um, that if we don't have more direct access to the consumer, and if there's not broader market access within California in general, 
um, I think we're really um, going to continue to be in, in not a very good place um, as an industry and community. Um, I think the other major area uh, is just broadly the normalization of cannabis as agriculture. The cultivation tax, I think, is one great example of how we have policies that apply to cannabis agriculture that are not applied to any other form of agriculture. And finally, election results are in, with 42.3% of the county's electorate participating. Incumbent Mendocino County Superintendent of Schools Michelle Hutchins lost narrowly to challenger Nicole Glenser, who pulled ahead with 55.4% of the vote. The other incumbents remained seated, including 5th District Supervisor Ted Williams, who defeated challenger John Redding with 82.52% of the vote, and 3rd District Supervisor John Hazchek, who defeated challenger Clay Romero with 71.72% of the vote. Sheriff Matt Kendall, who faced a last-minute write-in challenger in YouTube gadfly Trent James, remains in office with 85.52% of the vote. The $13 million Anderson Valley School District bond, Measure M, also easily passed, with 71.36%. Assessor Clerk Recorder Katrina Bartlemay told Lauren Schmidt she's expecting lots of taxes and initiatives on the November general election ballot, but there might not be that many candidates to choose from. But, you know, we're also having a hard time getting candidates for our special districts lately. So, you know, if anybody's interested in running for local office, that's that's the place to start. You learn so much in those special districts. And that's coming up in November. All the community service, all the fire, all the water, all the special districts like the sanitation district over here, the Russian River flood control, and then the school districts. So November is probably going to be a, a big ballot as well. The filing period candidate filing period for the November 8th, 2022 election is July 18th through August 12th. So the next thing I'll be doing is updating the candidate um, booklet and putting that on the website so people can look at that. But we just had to get one election over with before we start the other one. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news, with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News podcast wherever you get your podcasts.